try and believe in the purity of the craft. Um, you're not gonna come over here and find a raspberry, blueberry, pecan, porter, sour beer coming from me. Okay. Um, I can bring out flavors that I wanna use, and I use, like I got a, a lemongrass saison. So we use flavors to enhance flavors. Okay. Um, I'm not trying to um, reinvent anything besides making a great solid beer. Welcome to Tap That AZ, the show where you get to meet the awesome people behind the best craft beverages across the state of Arizona. I'm your host, Eric Walters. In this episode, I get to hang out with Brian Helton from Helton Brewing Company. This coming Saturday, May 20th, 2017, Helton's going to be celebrating their one-year anniversary with a good old shindig. They're going to have live music. They're tapping a new double IPA that they got. They're going to have their own food as well as JL Smokehouse. It's going to be a good time. I'm going to be there. If you go there and say you heard about them, heard about the party from Tap That AZ, you probably won't get anything for it, but you know they might think you're cool. So uh, come on down. Celebrate. I'm going to be there. Have a good time. In the meantime, let's tap into... Hilton Brewing Company. I'm on the northeast corner of 22nd Street Indian School, right? Correct. Excellent. And I am at Helton Brewing Company with Brian Helton. Brian, thanks for joining me, man. Ah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, this is uh, this is great. I, I've been here a few times. This is the first time back here seeing the whole the whole setup, and we'll get into that because you've got something that you're really excited about that. Uh, just kind of was unveiled today right? that's right with new yeah. toy to play with in the brewery nice nice so we'll, we'll get to that but uh so you're a midwest guy right yeah yeah i grew up in indiana okay yeah. nice so what what do you think that has brought that midwest because i'm from ohio so okay. i'm from some people say oh is, is that the midwest i'm like yeah i consider it the midwest yeah, right absolutely yeah. Yeah, it's not the east coast so yeah. it's got to be something that's right that's <laughs> so, right so what do you feel that that has brought something to the way that you you operate your business and, and the way you approach your beer? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the work ethic coming from the Midwest in a small town, you know, you have your reputation and, you know, let's say you're a plumber. And if you're a plumber in a small town, um, if you do not very good work or you say something, you're not going to be there, you know, right. something like that, then you're not going to have business. We're out here in Phoenix or a larger city. It doesn't matter. You can go on to the next, you know client or you know customer yeah so that work ethic gets instilled in you to do the best job you can um jack of all trades master of none i kind of <laughs> tease myself like that because yeah. you know we we have the ability as brewers to you know you sweat copper you run electricity you build you're an engineer you're an architect you can do a little bit of everything so i think coming from the midwest um i had a great family and a great father that uh, taught me all those skills you nice. know we built a lot of houses and a uh, growing up in, uh, during high school, built a couple apartments and stuff like that to get oh, wow. some money just to work the summers and stuff like that. So you learn a lot of times out of necessity, mind you, to do things. Yeah. You know. So when I did this brewery, uh, it's a 10,000 square foot uh, warehouse. It needed a lot of love. It really did. Um, so we, we went after it with uh, a very slim budget. Uh, we did our own demolition. We had a general contractor put in the uh, utilities, of course, and the electric. Um, but then we kind of took it from there. Um, you'll notice the uh, the tasting room. We literally tore down two barns in Indiana and brought them back in a semi and utilized that wood. Talked to a local sawmill 
to get our hardwood. So the wood came in raw for okay. my tables and my bar and that conference table. Um, and we put everything together here. And what I didn't use, I turned around and sold to other bars and restaurants here in Phoenix. And nice. pretty much I broke even. So it's yeah. out of necessity, we were able to put that tasting room together. Okay. Nice. It's beautiful. Ah, thank this, you. This whole place is great. And yeah. it's it's huge. Like, so, I mean, this is probably the biggest space. And now, granted, I don't have a huge experience with a lot of breweries, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the 5, 10, 15 that I've been through, uh, you know, behind the scenes. Um, you've got a lot of room to grow here. That was kind of the intention, right? Yeah, it's. I'm very fortunate. You know, I've been brewing now professionally for about 23 years. Okay. Um, I have a lot of friends that have done this, and uh, they've. We've all been teachers of what not to do. And that's okay. one great thing about this industry, <laughs> is we'll be the first to help each other out and say, oh, by the way, do not do this. Mm -hmm. This is what we did. Um, Kind of the, the common mistake um, we see breweries make is they go into a lease. Well, the utilities that we have to put in for a brewery, especially when you go in, into production, um, you have to tear the place up. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you look on the lease and the landlord is going to put in the lease. You have to return the, you know, to the originals. So you're filling the concrete if you don't watch it. Or oh, if you yeah. are successful, they're going to jack up your lease. Mm -hmm. So I never wanted to lease. Um, and two, everyone told me to buy the biggest building I can. Okay. Because no matter what, you think you have a lot of space, but you won't. Uh, you know, once you move into canning or bottling, uh, which is in the future for us, you know, nice. um, you just have so much dry storage needs and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, square foot just for those that. And of course, what we liked about this building is Phoenix is zoned uh, mostly C2. That's why you see strip malls up, up and down everywhere. This is a C3 zone, which is come industrial. So I could be canning tuna in this place, making, you know, Coke or basically brewing beer. Yeah. So that was great that I didn't have to worry about rezoning. And uh, the other aspect, I got 22 foot ceilings. Mm -hmm. So as yeah. I grow, uh, the max I think we can do is a 30 barrel brew house. Okay. When we talk about a barrel, which is two kegs. Yeah. And we can get a 90 barrel fermenter. So we can do three shifts and get 180 kegs in one shift. Oh, wow. Okay. So we can definitely grow because into of height? this because okay. of the height. Okay. And of course, Phoenix, you know, is hot. So not too many buildings are high because, well, you know, but this building was yeah. originally a two story warehouse for tires. So back in the 1960s, it was kind of like the very first big O tires or, you know, your kind of uh, one-stop shop for all tires. That was this. That was this. Okay. Yeah. Two stories. And that makes sense then. Yeah. 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 So it really fits it. And then, you know, historically too, breweries are kind of like a horseshoe. Mm -hmm. I got seven garage doors and it's great. And it is laid out like a horseshoe. So we have raw ingredients coming in, our barley and, you know, wheat and rye and oats. And it gets milled, it gets brewed, and then goes to a fermentation area that moves to the serving vessel and then out the door. Mm -hmm. So we have two receiving doors, it's perfect. Uh, I can bring equipment in with the other seven garage doors we have. So it's really a, a perfect building for what we wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's, I mean, I'm sure it's nice to have extra room too, right? Yeah. Not cramped in. And, oh yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it was really nice to go ahead and engineer the place with utilities in mind and the future growth in mind. So. Mm -hmm. Um, me and my architect and engineer, we sat down and first and foremost, um, we're like, all right, here's the equipment that we have. Yeah. Here's the utility bank, let's say that we have X amount of, you know, amps and what have you. How big can we grow this? And let's go ahead and put in footprints for future growth. Okay. I put in a wastewater treatment plant that I don't even need right now, but uh, one day I will. 
Nice. So why tear up the floor and do that again? Yeah. Um, let's not put tanks over here because we're going to have a future, you know, X here. Yeah. So that was really fun. So as you look through the place, you'll see we have drains set up um, for certain growth as we go. So everything's all planned out. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I, I like that. I, it's yeah. It, it makes sense too. It, it makes sense. Like, hey, we don't need this now, but you have a you have a bigger picture. In, yeah. In mind. Yeah. yeah. So what, what brought you to Phoenix? So why did you move from Indiana to, to Phoenix? Um, I was brewing downtown in Cincinnati with a corporate company. Okay. Um, they gave me the opportunity to uh, be a regional brewer. So they would give you four or five breweries that you would be responsible for. But the, the, the kicker was I got to do an install. So as a brewer, that's really what... There's certain like milestones you want to reach as a brewer. Okay. And definitely doing your first install is one that you would like to take advantage of because you design it, you work with the fabricator, you work with the engineers, um, and you get to put the, a brewery in. Uh -huh. So it's great experience. And um, at first, you know, I remember telling my wife they offered it to me, and my wife was a very successful hairdresser in Cincinnati, and she was a partner with another salon, and I knew she would never want to move. Right. And drinking <laughs> wine and beers one night on the patio, I was like, oh, by the way. Uh, <laughs> she laughed, and about two or three days later, she goes, you know, I can't get that out of my mind. I think we ought to, you know, really consider that. Wow. You know, nice. so, um, yeah, that was about 14 years ago, and okay. here we are. Nice. And, and did, were you guys fearful of the, of the summers? <laughs> you, you know, you hear about it, but right. I'll tell you what, being from the Midwest, there's no comparison. Mm -hmm. um, out here, when, and then you go back home and you listen to the news and they act like it's a third level of Hades. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's <laughs> right. like, it's really not that hot, people. No, it's like, no. you know, you got to about nine to 10 o'clock every day. People golf every day out here. Yeah. You get in your pool, you can come home at night, you can still grill out. Right. But in February, in Cincinnati or back home in Indiana, you can't be doing that. No. You know, it's no. just nasty out and it's great weather for two and a half months. So there's no comparison. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather live out here. And plus two hours, you can be in elk country. So yeah. it's gorgeous. You just have to take advantage of what we have. I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. And, and I, uh, people who haven't been out here, a lot of my friends from back home are like, oh man, it's 118. I'm like, yeah, like two days a year. You got yeah. three, four months where it's but you can escape, like yeah. you said. Yeah. You can escape, and the big thing for me is sunshine. Like yeah. that sunshine is, if I'm if I'm stuck inside, but it's sunny outside, I'm, yeah. like, I'm okay with that. I want to go outside, and then I do, and then I burn my feet on my patio. So yeah. <laughs> I go back in, you know. <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I agree with you. I, I love I love Phoenix, and um, the beer culture here is exploding. It is. I I, grew, I moved out here, uh, 2007, late mm -hmm. 2007, and I. I think it's doubled, yeah. maybe even over doubled since since that time. So, um, and I like what you said too. The community out here is it's so supportive. Yeah. Uh, through these interviews I've done with breweries, everyone just there's that camaraderie of you know you obviously want to make a better beer than than your your buddy over here, but it's not cutthroat. It's not. It's completely different. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we I've heard uh, someone say it the other day that rising waters will raise all ships. You know. Yeah. So our jobs to make better beer drinkers and we try to help each other and whether it's you know i'm short you know 22 pounds of citra this week and borrow that to hey i have a problem here um what do you think where's it coming from well, what can i do about it mm -hmm. who did you use as your engineer i mean we're constantly helping each other to um to make the industry a better place for everybody yeah you know our job is to educate the public you know and give them better options of beers yeah you know? yeah and uh i i was uh doing an interview with uh 
with uh, Jared Dubina, um, and he was saying basically like, okay, if you go to a brewery and then you see one is white right across the street, you're like, oh man, I should have went there. Yeah. It's a bonus. It's like, oh man, there's one right across the street. We can yeah. go that one too. So it's yeah. not that choosing one or the other. It's, yeah. 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 And, and you're kind of um, you're part of a, a unique group in the uh, Bermuda. Yeah. Bermuda Phoenix is that what they call yeah, it? That yeah. Is. It's what a great, is that? Well, if you look on a map. As a triangle in between Renhouse, Helton Brewing, and Helio, we're all about two miles apart. Okay. So the Bermuda Triangle, uh, it started. Um, it was a catchphrase at first between us, yeah. and then we liked it, and it was kind of funny. Um, and then we drew it on a, a piece of paper. Then next thing you know, we have a logo. Then it just kind of took off. You know, we yeah. realized we're all all new, pretty much. Or at least Helio and Helton is. Renhouse has been established for a couple of years. Um, so they were nice enough to uh, let us jump on their coattails, so to speak, and help promote us. Okay. Um, but every second Saturday, I think, we have Arizona brewery tours. Um, John brings one of his, um, now I think it's one of the largest buses that he has. Okay. And we'll pay for consumers or customers to go from every location. So every half hour, they'll pull the you know truck up or the van and pick everybody up and take you to the next place. Nice. So you can start, let's say, over here at Helton and go over to Helio and have lunch and a couple of beers at Ren House and finish out here with a couple of beers and then you're on your way mm -hmm. or vice versa. You can just jump on it anywhere knowing that you can get back to your car. Yeah. So it's a great way to spend uh, a Saturday, you know, and hitting three breweries at once. And, you know, we're, we're very different. Every brewer brewer has its own unique uh, skill set, so to speak, or style of brewing, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what's kind of great about it. You can go and it's not like we're all just specializing in sours. You know, or we're all just, you know, hop heads out, you know, the Batuski. Yeah. I mean, we all do very diverse, different beers. So it's kind of a great way for uh, people to see that this central corridor Phoenix has is really a great destination spot, yeah. you know, for people coming into Phoenix and looking for something to do. Mm -hmm. You know, we're uh, $8, you know, Uber ride away from downtown and all that. And you can come over here and there's some great beer bars in this area. So, mm -hmm. you know, so it, it's kind of nice. I never realized when I bought the building, this area was going to explode and become what it is today. Yeah, it is. It is changing. And yeah. Yeah. And so we did the, we did the, well, we, my wife drove us. Um, she was our, our tour bus driver, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, I haven't actually rode the, the, the shuttle yet. Um, but we did the tour. We started at Helio Basin. Um, their food is unbelievable unreal what it, she does every day uh, i look what she does on instagram and i, I want to get over there for lunch and i yeah. can't we tease them every time they call like hey can we borrow a tc fitting uh -huh. i'm like absolutely but i want a sheet pan of that cornbread <laughs> right. you know yeah. so that's the barter system <laughs> yes. but it was like i went there we went there I, I heard that the food was really good there's people have told me hey start there yeah. start you know with with helio basin Get a good lunch in, and it blew me away. And she actually brought it out. The chef, yeah. what's her name? I think Tamara. Tamara. Okay, so she brought it out, um, and then our server came back around. He's like, "You guys just realized you were like graced with with greatness." That yeah. was the chef. I'm like, "Dude, this food is." My wife it was even like, you know, usually she's like, "Okay, yeah, this is pretty good. This, you know, uh, brewery food is is usually pretty basic." Yeah. Um, she was blown away. She's like, this is the best taco I've ever had. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so then we hit up Ren House. Um, I, their Joe Max Stout is, yeah. I love that Joe yeah, Max absolutely. Stout. Absolutely. Yeah. So we had a, had a beer there. Um, and then we ended here and we got the charcuterie board with, uh, um, with the waffles. Yeah. 
blown away again. Nice. That, that was that was pretty phenomenal. Ah, well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. So, uh, tell me about that. So okay. your your food program is you have you were pretty strategic about what you wanted to have, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not a restaurant and I'm not a bar. I don't have any desire to be. But the revenue at the bar is really high. I mean, we're a production facility with a tasting room and that's what we're zoned for. Um, we can do food and we have food. It's more or less along the lines to support the beer program or education through the palate. Right. So the, the charcuterie and cheese to pairing uh, a beer with a waffle, sweet and savory. I mean, we were doing savory waffles that are making people go, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's what we had. Yeah. It was the bacon cheddar, I yeah. think. Maybe. Is that one? Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. It's a, you know, it's just a delivery device, however you want to look at it. We, we did the same thing when we were over, me and my wife were over in Europe, and we we're having waffles constantly, and they were sometimes savory. Yeah. And we're like, there it is. You yeah. know, <laughs> I didn't want to spend the money. Uh, every day on a chef or a sous chef or, yeah. you know, a huge prep list at, at nine o'clock in the morning, they're making another gallon of Pico de Gallo. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of that is cost mm-hmm. and coming from that side and watching that for all these years, uh, it's a lot of food waste, a lot of labor waste. And, and you have to decide who and what you want to be. You know, right. for, first and foremost, I'm a brewery. I yeah. want to concentrate on the beer. Uh, but what we've done is also bring in certain people and give them their artistic freedom to kind of showcase their talents and skills. Um, so they can come up with little things and pair it with my beers. And I got two uh, new culinary guys that I'm kind of excited about that's just joined the team. Nice. You know, and it's just going to be more or less uh, continue with the cheese and charcuterie and the waffles and the paninis and, and just let them come up with things. You know, mm-hmm. I got a, uh, a new beer coming down the line in a couple weeks. I'm like, all right, here it is, guys. Taste it. What, would, what do you want it? What do you want to do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. That, you give them that freedom of like, and I like you say that I make beer. That's, that's what I do. Yeah. But food complements that too. And, Absolutely. And I think you have um, classes, right? So I know you yeah. guys, you do a, a handful of different, about a handful, but few, right? Different yeah. classes. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. one of them is the food pairing. Yeah. Yeah. We've done uh, Get to Know Your Milk. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a class where um, we'll bring out the three or four major um, styles of cheese, let's say, you mm-hmm. know, from the animals, protein style. And kind of educate you about those different, you know, flavor profiles mm-hmm. of those cheeses and how to pair them with beer. Um, and the normal person can take that and go, well, let's grab a couple growlers of beer and grab two or three of these cheeses that we just learned about and throw our, our own little cheese party at the house. Mm-hmm. Um, food is really always compared with wine, unfortunately, but it's really not. I mean, throughout history, beer has always been, it's always been the wheat belt that goes through Europe. If you're, oh, okay. you know, north of the wheat belt, um, you turn, turn into the wine, but if you're south, it's always beer oriented. Yeah, okay. And beer has a multi-dimensional characteristic that wine doesn't, which is CO2. Mm. So having CO2 present, it can scrub the fats off your palate, leave it fresh, clean. Uh, it can make the flavors linger. We do that with CO2 levels. Or it can make really crisp and dry to just scrub out, let's say, any fried food that you're putting on your palate or a heavy cream from a triple cream. Mm-hmm. So beer is really multidimensional when it comes to food. So we wanted to showcase that. We wanted to tell people that. We wanted to educate them. So when they walked out of here, they'd be like, huh, so you mean beer is just not something that I have at the swimming pool when I'm barbecuing? Right. Or when I go out <laughs> yeah. with my buddies to a beer bar and then I can have you know, two or three IPAs? You know, no, food is beer, you know, beer is food. I keep saying that, and I think it's a great way to look at it 
Um, I love nothing more than when I'm eating to have two or three, two or three different pints or styles of beer when I'm eating. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, cheese, who doesn't like cheese? Right. I mean, the only, the only people that I've heard who don't like cheese are the people who can't have cheese. Can't have it. <laughs> right. And they want it. They want it. Yeah. <laughs> they just can't have it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But you do, um, I saw on the website you do, what was it, a sensory class? Mm-hmm. What, what, are, what are the sensory classes? The sensory is kind of based uh, as a one-on-one and one-on-two. Okay. Um, we have a lot of uh, Cicerones and beer judges here in uh, the state. And our, our sensory classes are a way for those guys and girls to uh, sharpen this all. Okay. You know? uh, we do them monthly. Uh, it's a triangle test, so I give you three beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, two are the same and one's different. Now, two could be dosed with an all flavor or two could be our control, you know, and the other could be the all flavor. And for the normal person that has no idea what these all flavors are, they can still participate because it makes them trust their palate. Okay. So what I do is I take this all flavor and I'll dose it about 50 parts per million above threshold and you should be able to tell. Okay. Well, at the very end of the class, I give it to you at 300. So it really will smack you in the face and go, oh, there it is. Mm. So it's a great way for you to learn these all flavors. Now, as a brewer, our job is to get these all flavors below threshold. And there's pretty much like seven or eight common off flavors in every single beer. Our job is to get them below so you can't taste them. Okay. So that's what's great about us doing this. Now, brewers will show up and we're able to do this and we really fine tune our palate to see where we're at. Now, there's an angle for me. Let's say that I find out that you are really good at picking up, let's say, DMS, dimethyl sulfide. Okay. So the next time you come in for the sensory, I'm like, well, maybe that was a fluke. I'm going to test them and so you get a special one that now you are basically at threshold you picked it up again Mm. next time i'm going to do it but it's going to be below threshold if you still picked it up so now you're hypersensitive to dimethyl sulfide so if i have a dms problem i bring you in and Mm -hmm. the other three or four people that i've been tracking and i put all these beers in front of you i'm like when do you detect it this one this one or this one and then that gives me tons of data so we all have sensory thresholds that we're very good at um, I'm really good at diacetyl. I can pick that up. Or okay. DMS sometimes can throw me for a loop. Mm-hmm. So it's a great way for us to uh, fine-tune a, a sensory group, quality okay. assurance program. But also it's a great way for me to get just the general public. You could be a wine person to a beer person or someone that just loves coffee. Yeah. You just, you know, if you're a foodie, you can come in here because it makes you trust your palate. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, which one is different? Yeah. And it plays, you know, some tricks on you. And we do three of them. So it's yeah. an hour long class. Uh, we'll throw a beer at you at the very end so you can kind of uh, relax and meet some new friends. <laughs> right. you know. like, like you're not a test subject behind the, right. the one way mirror. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's a great thing. I love doing it. I love to teach. Um, I love to, to infect people with a passion of brewing and beer. And that's, you know, that's why we're here. Yeah. Dude, I mean, brewing yeah. is not a, a very glamorous position and what people might think mm-hmm. you know you work constantly and yeah you know so you it's the labor of love yeah well you're doing great because yeah, your beer is phenomenal and, and that's why we're here so let's let's wrap this up with the beer let's let's right. let's talk about the beer <laughs> so um yeah i don't know just what what is your approach to to what you do all right um kind of believe in the purity of the craft um you're not going to come over here and find a raspberry blueberry pecan porter sour beer coming from me okay um i can bring out flavors that i want to use and i use like i got a, a lemongrass saison so we use flavors to enhance flavors okay uh, i'm not trying to 
um, reinvent anything besides making a great solid beer. Yeah. Um, sours are real popular right now. I've been brewing for 23 years. I don't think I'm good enough to brew a sour. I mean, brewing a sour is uh, like a life underneath a microscope until really? you really get that down. Okay. You're, you're putting all your other beers at risk. Um, but what you will find here is uh, some pretty solid uh, style-driven um, beers. Uh, we always push the limits when it comes to maybe the style guidelines with our Scotch Ale or our Milk, milk Stout. Mm -hmm. uh, coming from Cincinnati, I had no choice but to brew a Pilsner. Uh, we talk about those off flavors. Well, the hardest beer to brew is a Pilsner. That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, I want to use this quote, and it's not mine. Someone told it to me the other day, and I love it, that you can hide a dead cat in an IPA, and you can't. You know? <laughs> that's true. But, yeah. you know, and that's why they're so popular, because, you know, you can move them, and if there's problems with your beer, the public's not going to know. Same mm -hmm. with a big imperial stout. Yeah. Um, barrel aging, same thing. All these flavors are going to mask your inadequacies let's say as a brewer yeah um so we do a pilsner um i have a northeast ipa that i can't keep in the tank it's going on you know crazy um we have a lemongrass saison that's going to be coming out in two weeks and we do a lot of single hop series once again kind of educational base um, we take one hop and use it all the way through the beer so people can come in and say oh now i know what comet tastes like yeah you know yep. so comet is uh they call it uh, citra Mm -hmm. Little sister. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. everyone knows Citra. Everyone right. loves Citra. Um, so Comet is a, a hop that um, I haven't used. So that's a great way of doing it. So that's how we discover what these flavors from bittering flavoring and aroma and dry hopping will do to the beer. Mm -hmm. You know, we make make you know pretty small batches of them. Right. Um, but yeah, that's the beers that we're doing. We're probably about sixty um, different locations here in Phoenix. Uh, a couple up in Flagstaff. Um, we're about ten months old. So okay. we're really new. Yeah, um, we're about ready to do an expansion and buy some more tanks here soon. Nice. Um, toying with getting into canning uh, within, let's say, a year. We're looking at that. Um, but yeah, we're self-distributing ourselves. Um, everyone here is a team-oriented. We're dropping off kegs on our way home to you know bars and <laughs> nice. making sure that uh, the quality is where it needs to be. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what I noticed too is is you're not going to get wacky stuff here. Um, but I like that because, like, you take a very scientific approach to this, and and I like the quality over the. I don't want to say the the gimmick or the you know novelty of mm -hmm. it, um, but because there's some brewers out there that that do that stuff and like Dark Sky, like they in their first year they had a hundred different beers, yeah, and they had it all over the board. And you know I'd taste them, I'm like I don't know if I would like this jalapeno, apricot, you know <laughs> whatever. And then I would taste them, like oh that's yeah. really good, you know. Yeah. But then you go back and it's it's not there. Um, but um, but each each place has its own like character, and yeah. and I love that you're just you're. You're perfecting what, what it is that you're doing. Yeah, and that's well said. I mean, Ryan's phenomenal. He's good at that. He's mm -hmm. really good at putting flavors right. like that. Wilderness is phenomenal at that. Yes. You know. Yeah. You know. So for me to come on and try to compete with those guys when they already have the market share, you know, and and that's just not my style. You know, and, and I, my style is just to make a, a, a pretty decent beer, and I go love to go into Dark Sky and Wilderness and enjoy those beers. Yep. You know, so I don't need to be critiquing my own because I'm, like I said, I'm. I don't think I'm that good to be brewing a sour yet. <laughs> right. Maybe someday. Yeah. I, I'm still, I had a really good sour. It was a cranberry sour at um, um, Peoria Artisan. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. I, I think that was the only sour that I've ever liked. Yeah. It's, it's just a, yeah. it's just an acquired taste, um, but, yeah. but their sour is really good. 
you so tell us about this thing that I'm looking at over here. I, I saw on Instagram <laughs> before I came down. Uh, what, is, what is this? Because well, I know you're proud of it. I'm very, uh, I'm very a hop centric. I do enjoy all my uh, my pales and IPAs and I and what we have learned, you know, in the industry is how can we dry hop these beers and how can we get the most aromatics and flavors from them. Mm-hmm. Now we're doing it on the cold side, so mind you, when heat and time is present, the isos release into the beers and isomerization occurs, and now you got bittering. So that's how we've always utilized hops, you know, traditionally. Okay. And then we add them at the end to give all your aromas. Well, we've really pushed the boundaries just like everything else. So, you know, some guys might be pushing the boundaries of sours or adding, you know, things to beer. I've always pushed the boundaries of how to get hops, how to make certain beers very subtle mm-hmm. or freight trains. It all depends yeah. on what you want. I always tell my assistant brewers, I'm like, Come to the table with an idea of what you want to do, not, oh, I'll make a good beer or copy a recipe from a book that you're reading or a magazine or another buddy of yours is brewing it. What are you trying to do? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the hops, it's a really unique market right now. There's a lot of fun things out there. So this is kind of the one of the latest trends. And what it is, it's a 77-gallon, and to be honest with you, like a giant corny cake. Okay. And what we've done <laughs> is we put three inlets in it so the beer is going to go through the fermentation after primary we drop the yeast out and what we're doing is pumping it in different directions into this vessel the vessel has hops in it okay so we'll put our dry hops in there and we'll recirculate this for about three hours around 60 hertz and what we're trying to achieve is vegetative material exposure to the liquid that's the basic principle how much vegetator hops, dry hops, yeah. are going to be exposed to the beer. Now, when you dry hop traditionally, we would open up the top and drop the pellets in or the whole flower and they fall to the bottom. So as they expand, you didn't have much control. Mm-hmm. Then we started using pumps. Then we started using CO2. I mean, we've kept evolving. And every time a brewer does something, we're like, oh, did that work? What'd you think? Right. So now it's come to this where we're fabricating um, copper. Copper Star Chemicals is a fabricator here in town, good friend of mine. Uh, we kind of sat down and kind of looked at uh, what some other guys are doing, and we decided to fabricate this. And today we're going to launch it, see nice. what happens. <laughs> uh, we're going to use it on our single hop series, the Comet, that okay. we were talking yeah. about. And it's an experimental beer, so uh, it's not going to be something that we can have a quantifiable distinguishing remark compared to maybe our IPA, our house, or anything. But it's a good start. So yeah. today we'll be able to see what it will also do. It reduces time in the tank and reduces how much hops I use. So there's oh, a cost nice. benefit as okay, well. Yeah. You yeah. know, so when the vegetative material, um, you'll see a couple of my posts um, that we open up a fermentation vessel. You see all these hops at the bottom. Yeah. I mean, last week I put one on there. It had like an eight inch frozen piece of, you know, hops that were just at the cone. Is you that know? what that was? Yeah, it was oh, frozen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, but as a, a, an owner now, I'm looking like, oh my gosh, you know how much money? I mean, we got you know, six, $700 with dry hops sitting there yeah. in a tank. And you're like, can we be more efficient? Can yeah. we get more out of it and use less? So this is what this is supposed to be doing. Okay. We'll be able to use less, increase time, increase flavor and aromas, which is what we want. You know, so that's the overall goal. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'm excited to try it. Yeah. So, um, yeah we are too. Um, but yeah, dude, thanks for joining me, man. I, I really appreciate it. Um, you guys are open every day but Monday? Is that every correct? day but Monday. Okay. We open at 3. On the weekends, we open up at noon. Okay. 
So gotcha. And you just expanded the beer garden too. Yeah, we have a beer recently. garden out there that has pool yeah. tables, shuffleboard, a couple lounging areas. So yeah, it's just a nice place for people to you know relax and enjoy a beer. Yeah, excellent. And get the charcuterie board too. I with the waffles. There I, you I go. recommend that. Yeah. So uh, northeast corner of Twenty Second Street and Indian School, HiltonBrewing.com. Um, were you guys on Instagram? Is that mainly where? Yeah, you guys Instagram do your- and Facebook. Okay. All right. Excellent. So uh, Brian, thanks, man. I All appreciate right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having us. Hey, thanks for listening to the episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If so, do me a favor. Tell a friend. If you like it a lot, go to iTunes. Give me a rating and review. Let's spread the word. In the next episode, I travel back to my homeland, Ohio, and I go to a brewery that is changing the way that small town Ohio is drinking their beer. You don't want to miss this one. In the meantime, always remember, stay awesome.